Never be the one who says, I have no idea. Unlock the full picture and get unlimited access to unique data and respected business journalism that advances your understanding and business. Subscribe today at housingwire.com slash membership. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. In this episode, Housing Wire HW Plus Managing and Magazine Editor Brenna Nath and Housing Wire Managing Editor James Kleiman discuss the ongoing saga between United Wholesale Mortgage and Rocket Mortgage and examine how UWM's policy could affect the broker community going forward. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. First off, though, Matt James, happy Monday. Happy Monday to you as well, Brenna. Well, Matt's name flashed across my screen and it threw everything off. <laughs> it's a busy day already here at Housing Wire. Um, I don't think I mentioned it on the call, but it is a snowy day here. I think we've got about six inches to 12 inches. So I have my cup of coffee ready, ready to hear all the things kind of going into this week. So first off, for those who don't know, we go live every Monday in our Housing Wire Facebook community group. Feel free to watch us live there or catch us later in our podcast feed, Housing Wire Daily. I'm joined today with James Kleiman. I don't think I've had the pleasure of interviewing you in a while for Monday Morning Cup of Coffee, so thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great. Um, jumping right into the first question, the one we always kind of like to ask, we just got off our newsroom huddle, um, talked about a lot of the things happening this week. There's no shortage of news. What is something that you're particularly interested in right now? There's so much going on in the housing market. Um, it's it's hard to know where to start. You know, like even the mortgage space, which we'll get to, I'm sure, is uh, is having a pretty interesting moment. You know, the refi boom seems to be waning, um, and and for a lot of LOs and brokers, um, you know, now is the time to, to transition to purchase. But that's really hard, and the reason it's really hard is because there's just such little inventory out there. And so, if you're the kind of LO or broker who had, you know, if you maybe decent, solid real estate sources uh, to generate leads, but they don't have leads and your refis aren't as plentiful as they once were, um, this could be a really stressful period. 
So we're going to be looking at that. Um, but, but I really want to talk a little bit more about the housing market at large. And so you guys might have seen a story over the weekend from the Wall Street Journal. And um, I think it was headlined something like, there are now more realtors than listings, um, which is bonkers, totally bonkers. And of course, you know, a lot of realtors are part-timers who maybe do a deal or two per year, you know, it's, it's somebody who has like a, a side job or whatever, but um, the fact that inventory is as low as it is, is, um, is really stark and, and it, it affects a lot of different people in different ways. And so the, the story from the Wall Street Journal really highlighted the fact that a lot of real estate agents just got into it because, well, it's, it's really one of the few industries that hasn't been deeply impacted um, by the pandemic and, and certain components of it are like, right, the rental space is really difficult for a lot of investors, even more difficult for the for the renters who can't pay the bills. Um, but, but the housing market has been a consistent bright spot. And so it's attracted a lot of agents into, into the field. But if you're a new agent, you probably don't have the network already set up to be on the sell side. You know, the sell side is really where you make your money and the top real estate agents in the country, they don't want to be on the buy side. That's a lot of legwork. You know, you got to go to millions of different, you know, open houses. You have to, to be constantly looking at your MLS feed. You have to kind of vet listings. You have to make sure that everything is spick and span. If you don't get it right, you're likely to be dropped by your client, you know, who's who's today more motivated than ever to get a home. And and I think this has also started to breed kind of an interesting, um, in in some ways, distasteful um, element. And I'll relay a personal story here. Uh, I mentioned this during our meeting, but my parents live in suburban New Jersey, and it's a, it's a super hot housing market. You know, they're right outside New York City, and if you still want to have the benefits of being near the city, you take the train in. You know, you'll be there in forty five minutes to an hour, um, but you don't have to go to the office every day. You have a little bit more of a flexible schedule. Now you have a backyard and a pool for the kids. Um, it's it's really, really, really hot. And, you know, a lot of their neighbors that have listed their homes have gotten 10, 15, 20 offers within 48 hours of listing. And so what a lot of real estate agents have done in this area, and this is happening across the country, is what's called pocket listings. And uh, for those who don't know, pocket listing is essentially a home is on the market, but shh. It's not on the market. You know, it's not, you're not going to find it on Zillow. You're not going to find it on realtor.com. Um, typically what happens is the the real estate agent will, will show it to other agents at their brokerage, or they have, you know, a list of preferred investors, flippers, or, you know, people who, who want to close with cash, or, um, you know, they have an agent friend on the team who has a list of buyers on that side. Mm -hmm. And so they'll show it to a very select group of people. And, um, you know, and hopefully they'll, they'll still manage to get enough bids for the home seller uh, to, to be able to close quickly and, and move on to whatever they're, they're about to get next. And um, it, it leads to a lot of ethical questions. The, the National Association of Realtors has, um, has effectively banned the practice. Um, you know, and it was one that was very prevalent in, in luxury markets. So in, in California, you know, specifically around the Hollywood area, a lot of people don't want to have their home listed for very good reason, you know, a lot of privacy issues there. So so it's a controversial topic, and it really hadn't been um, a major, major, major issue for most of America. You know, how many bidding wars did you hear about in 2018? You know, how many in 2019? Not too many. In 2020 and 2021, you know, it's it's uh, maybe half of the homes on the market are seeing multiple bids, and so you know, suddenly the the issues affecting 
Bloomingdale, Indiana, um, you know, are the same ones that affected Hollywood. And so a lot of agents are, are doing pocket listings. And um, if they're not a member of NAR, there's not much they can do about it. But but there there are real reasons to think that this could discriminate, you know, a pool of prospective buyers. So it's it's something we're going to be doing a story on this week for sure. Yeah, uh, that's something to be closely following, especially kind of how you mentioned just then, like the discrimination aspect. We have a couple stories on the website that are going back into the different ways the industry, the appraisal sector, is one thing we were just looking at. How does that um, have you know different levels of discrimination? In it to now looking at this pocket listing area. And that's not a word. I don't think I've heard that come up kind of in the news. Like you said, it used to be just in small, no pun intended pockets of of America uh, to now see it uh, kind of more across the spectrum. Well, switching sides from the real estate industry, which has been something our industry has been heavily focused on the market, really not just the industry. Going into the mortgage side of this space, there's just as much going on there. You've been personally closely writing and following these stories as well. So looking at the mortgage side of the you know industry, what would you say is a story there that's capturing your attention? So I've been covering the UWM and Rocket saga for, geez, it's been about three weeks now. <laughs> um, I think they gave me ulcers, so I'm going to be sending a medical bill to Matt Ishbia and uh, to Dan Gilbert at Rocket, so it's um, you know, it's it's really divided the broker community, and and um, for the pertinent numbers, you know, I, I I think whenever you have a story like this, you're gonna find that both sides are gonna spin it so that it it looks a little bit more favorable to um to what they feel uh you know captures the, the essence of what happened but but in this case I, I really do think it's it's a hard one to to decipher and so so for those who don't know back in early March I think it was March 4th Matt Ishbia the head of United Wholesale Mortgage we call them UWM they are the largest purchase uh, originator in the country they're also easily the biggest wholesale lender in the f- in the space. So they did about 183 billion in originations last year. And in the broker channel, Rocket, their arch rival did about 97 billion. And, and, and even that was a huge gain on what they had done previously. So, so Rocket has been growing pretty significantly, but UWM is unquestionably uh, the, the king of that space. And they, they've, um, you know, they, they've bought a lot of goodwill amongst brokers. They have been honestly a, a an absolute champion of the broker space. They've invested heavily on trainings and on, you know, allowing retail LOs and you know folks who are new to the broker space to open up their own shops and and to to you know develop close relationships with with uh, you know those in the wholesale channel. And they've also been a big rival of, of Rocket and UWM has been pretty steadfast in their opinion that you know any company that is not a pure play wholesaler represents on some level a threat to the brokers, you know, and and it's not like they're calling for the head of every executive at Loan Depot or Guaranteed Rate or Caliber or any of the others, but but they have a rocket, you know, and and in UWM's um, UWM's position is essentially that Rocket has this program in which they are training real estate agents to become LOs to effectively underwrite their own loans and um, originate their own loans rather. And that this is, this is a, a very obvious and clear threat that, you know, 
they don't care about brokers. It was never in their interest. Um, they're they're agnostic about it. They don't care how they make their money. They just want to make their money. And if they feel like they can they can save money um, by having real estate agents originate their own loans and and effectively uh, remove the broker from the process, they're going to do that. And and then you know another company, Fairway. Uh, Rocket alleges has been trying to poach LOs from broker shops to to you know, effectively run their retail model across the country, and so UWM on March fourth they they effectively sent out an ultimatum saying, "Hey, if you do business with Rocket and or Fairway as of March fifteenth, you cannot do business with us." And um, you know, for a lot of the a lot of the broker shops that didn't use Rocket. Or didn't use Fairway in the first place. No big deal. You know this. This didn't really affect their day to day business all that much. Maybe they sent them, you know, a loan or two every now and then, or you know, they were their fourth or fifth choice, and so that didn't matter. But there's a lot of broker shops that that do use Rocket. You know, as I said, 97 billion. We don't have the number for Fairway, but um, but they're they're not a major player. But you know, they're they're certainly in the conversation um, as a viable partner for some broker broker shops and. Um, you know, if you're a company that does 50% business with Rocket and 50% business with with UWM, you need to make a choice. And um, I don't know any broker who I spoke with, and I spoke with over 50 brokers and over 40 LOs over the last three weeks or so. Um, I don't know anyone who was happy that they had to make the decision. You know, they a lot of people felt like they were forced into something for another person's um, interests, you know, that this didn't really benefit them. Um, and, and, you know, in, in terms of the numbers, so when Rocket issued the ultimatum, they had about 12,000 um, broker partners. That was on March 4th. And there are a few ways to look at this. On March 16th, when the deadline had passed and brokers had to either choose, you know, you work with Rocket and or Fairway or you work with UWM and you don't work with Rocket and Fairway, um, they had about 10,400 broker partners. So you could look at it as Rocket ended up losing, you know, they went from 12 to 10.4. And um, and they also, they lost a lot of their own big players. So Loan Factory is um, is one of the biggest brokerages in the country. They did about 4 billion, I believe, in originations last year. Um, Thuan Nguyen, uh, number one mortgage broker in the country. And and he's building a little empire. He's got he's got shops in, in the South and Texas and He's building up in New Jersey. He's um, he's really expanding, and and he ended up going to Rocket because he didn't like the ultimatum, and uh, you know he felt that it served his business interests better at the time, and so I, I don't think you can say that what UWM did was an un, unqualified success, but UWM did hobble Rocket for sure. They issued the ultimatum to forty six hundred brokerage shops, and of the forty six hundred, they claim that three thousand of them signed. The addendum effectively saying we will no longer work with Rocket and Fairway, we will work with UWM. And then you add the other, you know, thousands of broker shops that have already, you know, de facto worked with UWM and not worked with Rocket and Fairway. And you figure that by UWM's math, they now have 3,000 brokers who cannot do business with Rocket. And that is not a good thing for Rocket, you know, because Rocket doesn't, you know, Rocket doesn't make these kinds of statements. They don't. They they haven't used these types of tactics. So so Rocket's been growing, and it's hard to grow when you have three thousand fewer partners to do business with. And and in a lot of cases, those are mid size, um, you know, and larger broker shops that that 
ended up sticking with UWM. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a pretty crazy period. And, um, you know, UWM says this is effectively an existential threat. And if you don't act now, then you may not exist in 10 years. And we're the champion of the broker. Or we're here for you. And, you know, if, if you want to be alive and thriving, you know, five, 10 years from now, even if that costs you a little bit in the meantime, you know, in the short term, um, this is the only logical choice to make. And, and then on the other side, there are a lot of brokers who said, you know, the, the whole point of being a broker is that I do have choice, that I give consumers the most amount of options and, and I give them, you know, the, the greatest um, potential deal that I can put in front of them. And I can't in good faith say, well, maybe this is a bit of a threat to my job, so I can't give you a good deal. Um, and, and so it, it really, this, this whole ultimatum cut at the heart of, of, of really the identity of the broker and, and what the space is supposed to look like in a decade. So it's, yeah, it's, it's been a tough week for me. <laughs> where does someone, so this narrative really does focus heavily on UW, UWM and Rocket, and then you have the fair play as well in the conversation. Where do the other top wholesale companies yeah, and like home point you've talked about them in the past how do they fit into this story yeah so i i think a lot of it is kind of to be determined but but really when you look at it so there there are only two large wholesale only players and that's uwm all they do is wholesale the entirety of the business is through the broker and so if they don't grow the broker channel if they don't grow the number of brokers they can work with they cannot gain market share pure and simple. Their entire business model depends on it. HomePoint is similar. You know, HomePoint is all in, <laughs> as they say, that's kind of the, the hashtag uh, of the broker space. HomePoint is all in on the broker channel. And so they've, they've put all their eggs in that basket. In some ways, this benefits HomePoint. So HomePoint would have gone from maybe not being one of the top two or top three um, preferred lenders for a broker's, you know, list of, of, um, of partners and now, you know, given that they have to choose between either Rocket or UWM, and HomePoint has been very publicly, um, they've, they've basically kept out of it. They have had no comments. They have nothing on the record that they want to say about it. Um, they're, they're just going, la, 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 la. You know, we're still here and we don't care. Not, not our problem. Um, they do stand a benefit in terms of having more business um, and, and they reported during an earnings call last week that, that they had a record number of signups on their broker platform. On the other side, you know, and here's where it gets a little bit complicated. HomePoint is, is usually among the lower priced options. They're typically on the first uh, sheet on Loan Sifter, you know, and if the benchmark is, is three, they're going to be pretty much around there. And so what's happened is UWM and Rocket have been cutting their prices because they want to keep as much of you know those brokers happy as they can possibly keep happy, and so the margins are really compressing, and HomePoint doesn't have the the kind of firepower um, to deal with a war of attrition with Rocket and UWM, so they're going to be losing margins, you know. And and in the earnings call, they reported that margins for the first quarter, which is almost over by the way, um, were were higher than normal. Um, but they wouldn't say what they were. And it's it's really rare, really weird for a publicly traded company on their first earnings call as a publicly traded company to not give any kind of guidance on, on um, you know, expected income or on, um, you know, margins, gain on sale margins. 
And so I, I have to think that this is going to hurt them really bad and it's going to hurt them in the second quarter. And it's not like home point came in as, as a, you know, they, they, they had a pretty tough IPO debut. They were not well-received. Um, the public market didn't, didn't fancy home point and, and they haven't fancied UWM. And, and aside from, you know, one kind of quirky, uh, <laughs> um, meme on, on a Reddit subthread called wall street bets, like rocket hasn't done, you know, brilliantly either on, on the, the public front. So yeah, margins are going to go down. Um, I, I think financially it's going to be a tough quarter for some of these wholesalers and, you know, it's going to hurt the others like caliber. It's going to hurt, it's going to hurt everyone who operates on the wholesale channel. When the two biggest players are, are cutting their prices, you have to follow suit. You know, you can't be at 3.5 when everyone else is at 3.2. No one's going to use you. You know, like you're a broker, you can't in good faith tell your clients like, well, look, you know, I, I just kind of happen to like these guys. I know they're at three, five, but you know, just stick with it um, because they're going to drop you. You're not going to have a client. I did want to highlight, uh, I shared James's article in the Alzheimer Facebook community group, and it was the article on EWM's war with Rocket Brokers must choose his side. And Nick Solis, who we've used as a source before, did comment on that post. And you just mentioned how the CEO of a largest association um, is telling one group that they should boycott another. So basically, he highlighted the fact that Ishbia compared this to NAR and Zillow and what the impact of that. And so he kind of took that analogy. And what if that did happen? What if NAR did do this similar thing with Zillow? What does that mean? And what does that also mean as um, people look into the the legality of this entire situation? So I wanted to highlight that comment since it was a unique point. Yeah, you know, in the MBA and and some other big big um, industry groups have also come come out against uh, Ishbia's ultimatum. You know, they call it anti-consumer, they call it anti-choice. And, and I think that's not unexpected. Um, and, you know, UWM has, has effectively said that this is, um, this is just Rocket trying to get a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of like-minded stakeholders on their side, that it's not about the brokers and, you know, um, but, but yeah, look, look, it's an interesting comparison. I, I think some elements of it kind of fall apart, you know, it's, you're a few uh, a few steps removed from the consumer, but but it it does it does accurately point out that that NAR did not fight hard enough um, in the minds of many real estate agents to beat back the threat of Zillow and and a lot of people resent the fact that the, you know Zillow is literally just pulling data from the MLS that these agents are putting in. And then effectively charging them for their own data, you know, that's that's um that's a pretty sour deal for a lot of people. So yeah, you know, I mean in in Matt Ishbia's mind, and I, I think he really does believe this. I, I think he honestly does think that the wholesale channel is under siege. And if he doesn't take um, you know, really, really quick and drastic action, that they could just get blown out by retail. And and if you look at if you look at the size of some of the competitors that they're up against, you know, there are only two pure play wholesalers of any size and stature. And although the broker channel is growing, especially because of the purchase market is, is so strong, they could totally get eaten up by the whale, you know? And, and um, I, I don't think that rocket feels as strongly about it as UWM does. You know, certainly it's not, it's not really in their business ethos. So it's it's one to follow. You know, I, I don't think we're going to know really how this how this plays out for another six months. But six months take us all the way through 
2021, I'm still getting used to saying 2020 instead of 2020. I do think it's a, a rare occurrence if anyone is, and if you're not, feel free to sign up to Lending Life. James writes that every week. It's basically a fresh article in a newsletter form. And then Sarah has her EdNote in the PM every day. And last week, one of the headlines, um, it was, I think the word, was it the word existential or the, the word Nirvana? It was weird that that word was used. It's a, I think it was existential, existential used yeah. twice in two different articles. One, I think, was a Zillow article. One was uh, around the, the broker war. And that kind of shows the state of the industry that this unique word popped up twice enough to be kind of the whole center point of her, article, uh, her PM note. Well, to wrap, James, we're heading into the rest of the week. Is there anything else you'd like to add or let our listeners know? Uh, I'm going to be uh, doing a story on some of the home builders. So I don't know if you guys saw on, I think it was Wednesday, Lenar which is a major home builder. And, and, and they're a little bit different than, than some of the traditional home builders like Toll Brothers and others that are a little bit more luxury subdivision focused. Um, but but Lennar is spinning off pretty much all of their uh, non-core businesses. So um, they want to be a pure play home builder, you know, and they've, they've had a big investment arm called Len X. I don't know if you stress the Len or the X, but they're, um, you know, they're, they're going to keep that with their home building division and they've reported some some really interesting and strong gains. And so I wanted to check with some of the other big home builders out there and, and kind of get a better sense, like DR Horton, um, how are they grappling with, with some of the problems out there? You know, they're in a lot of cases, they, they have to buy land, right? And land is expensive and they need construction crews and that's not fully back either. They have huge supply chain issues, right? the cost of lumber is insane um, and there's not a lot of it. And, and all of the commodities for home building follow the price of lumber. And so they're in kind of an interesting moment and it's, it's pushing up the cost to build a home. And then on top of that, you know, a lot of these companies also need to get permits done and get them done quickly. And a lot of building departments across the country are not even really open. And, and some of them that are open are, are way, 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 way behind uh, they're totally backlogged. And so I, I really wanted to do a focus on kind of how some of the home builders are are just trying to 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 work their way through these challenges and if scale has really um, been a major benefit for them. So we've got a few conversations a little bit later over the week. And uh, if anyone has any any anecdotes or suggestions or anything they want to know specifically about what's going on with the home builders, uh, definitely let me know. You can reach me at J Kleiman, that's K-L-E-I-M-A-N-N at housingwire.com. Well, the best to spell it. Make sure you get those two N's in there. I always say it and then hope for the best <laughs> from exactly. there. Well, as always, James, appreciate your time. There's a lot of news kind of going across our or coming across your desk, a lot of our team members' desk. So thanks so much for kind of giving us a deeper dive into what you're specifically looking at and have a great week. Thanks. Take care. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. 
Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.